Hello, beloved. This is another episode of His Beloved. Once again, I reamped the podcast and switched everything up on you. Um, and you'll hear a lot of background noise because our kids are outside playing, but they're having fun until they're not. So don't worry about that. <laughs> so I'm here with Pastor Alex, and we're gonna. Our topic today is gonna be. Um, God loves us more, and it's related to our children, and how we think that we love our kids so much that we're the only ones that can protect them the right way, love them the right way, and um, just to give a little biblical insight on that, I have Pastor Alex here talking about how God even loves, or he loves our children and us more than we even do. So, um, go ahead, take it away. Hi, everybody. Um, I wanted to start with Matthew 7, 7 through 11. It says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? I think there's a lot of good things to take out of that. Um, And I pray that the Holy Spirit uh, speaks to you through His living word. Um, I will say just quickly on that, that... um, This is where Jesus is saying basically that, hey, if you love your kids enough to give them what they ask for, then how much more does God love you and how much more will he give you what you ask for? And that's why he prefaced it with saying, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened. For everyone, not the most righteous one, not the ones that attend church most or read their Bible most or pray the hardest or their knees and their pants are all out because they're... They're on their knees all day long, or they're fasting, so they're gaunt. Everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and so the one who knocks, it will be opened. The next verse I want to use is 1 John 4, 18-19. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So many times we get uh, preoccupied not only with us loving others, us loving our kids, us loving us ourselves, but us loving God. And here at the end here it says, we love because He first loved us. I think it's a great reminder that we only love because He first loved us. And now we have the opportunity to love with His own love, as the Bible says that He has shed His love abroad in our hearts. Um And then also, of course, at the beginning, there is no fear in love. You don't have to be afraid for the safety of your children if you put them in the Father's hands. Decide that you will trust Him with your children. And then you have nothing to fear because He loves them better than you love them. He sacrificed more for them than you sacrificed. He gave His everything. He emptied heaven for you, for your children, and even for your grandchildren, and for all the earth. Matthew 23, 37 says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
the city that kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to it. I'm going to stop there for a second. I just want to say that this is for those who think that they have done such things that how can God love them because of these things that they have done or how can he love their kids or how can he protect them or how can he protect their kids or how can he provide for them or how can he heal them how can he do all the good things that he has done in Christ Jesus for them if they are who they are and he's talking to Jerusalem and saying oh Jerusalem Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to it how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing and there's the key everybody always says there's ten keys to this and eight keys to that and five keys to this what I would say here though the key is are you willing he said he longs to gather you longs to love on you longs to cast out all fear with his magnificent love to love you better better than the world can better than any man can better than you can love your kids he wants to love you and all you have to do is say yes be willing that's good amen so i know well we both know that i've struggled with in the past being overprotective with our kids and i would always get so angry with you because you would always seem like you didn't give a rip because <laughs> you would just be like sitting there like, it's okay, don't worry about it. And I'm like, no, because in my mind, if you're not worrying about it and fretting and, you know, you didn't care enough about our kids, but I was running around the house like, you know, when we were struggling with our oldest, you know, we sometimes didn't know where she was at or whatever. And I'm, you know, calling everybody you know made the police report of course and um and you were just sitting there chilling and I'm like what are you doing and you're like well is it gonna help anything if I'm freaking out so what would you say to that parent sorry the chair is making a lot of noise it's not me I promise um what would you say to the parent that is freaking out of the safety of their kids I know you talked on the scripture but um, what would you say to the parent that's freaking about, freaking out about the safety of their kids and, you know, can't, it's hard for them to let go of that area? First of all, I would say from, from the words of Jesus in Luke 12, 25 through 26, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And to me this says that uh, your anxiousness and worry accomplishes nothing. Why would you do it? It's not going to... I know a lot of people says, What are you doing, you know? Why don't you get down here and worry with me? Or uh, how can you do nothing? Or sometimes you can even feel inside that you're being irresponsible if you're not concerned. Yes, that's a big thing for me. It's like I'm not a good enough mom if I'm not worrying about my kids' whereabouts every second of every day. But it's not helpful. It's really not. All it does is stress me out more. And um, and who is the one that you trust in? Is he not able to handle the children? Yes. If we can trust him with our own eternity, and I mean whether we trust him or not, he's the ruler of all that there is. So, 
if we can't trust him to take care of our children when we place them in hand in his hand take care of our children when we place them in his hand then who can we trust and what can we trust and what amount of worrying is going to do it if he can't do it if god can't protect them how is worrying going to protect them i would say and also you don't realize if you don't realize that they and you are perfectly loved then you can have fear but if you realize that you're perfectly loved by him then it has to cast out the fear because why would someone who loves you perfectly and who is able to save mighty to save as the bible says how is he not able to protect you and all that you have yeah amen um do you believe that god um works with tough love like do you think that god's you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you think God's stance on tough love is? I think God loves so extravagantly that he was willing to take all that was required of us unto his son all that we had purchased with our own deeds the bible says the wages of sin is death and i think that instead of holding us accountable he decided to hold himself accountable to release us and let us go free it sounds to me that he was his love is tough on himself not not tough on us to mm. me Okay, so say like you, for example, so what would you say to a person that has a teenager or a young adult or a preteen that, that's out of control and you say, well, I need to show them tough love. I need to teach them a lesson because they're never going to learn and we're just enabling them or we're just, you know what would you say to that person but with a side note as parents that is our job to teach our children responsibility and how to live in a in the real world so how can you bring those two together biblically go ahead and speak to that do you understand what i'm saying though okay so first i would say that um The Bible talks about training up a kid, uh, a child, in the way he should go and he won't depart from it. Many of us, I know in our experience, we trained up a child in the way we thought she should go. And it seemed and still seems in ways that she departed from that. Um, so it seems to us, I mean, it, it can seem by experience, by what we see, by what we hear and feel... That God's word has failed us in this regard if we take that to be the promise. But what I say is that just because things look bad, just like in other podcasts we talked about um, the way things look as opposed to what God has said. What God has said brings about the eternal truths, makes it, brings it into the temporary experience that we, that we live in. So I believe that not only... Um, is there stuff going on in the background that we don't even see that show that that um, 
our child is actually, you know, st still with God, still trusts God for her salvation, but also um, that she's going to be, she's going to be better than where she is now, because God is doing a mighty work in her, whether we see it or not, Amen. because we trust Him and we believe in it. There's um, there's a lot of things that can be said when it comes to children because they're close to our hearts. So that's why I want to reiterate. He loves them better. Better than you can. Better than I can. He loves them better. If there's anyone who wants the success of your child in the universe, it is him. He wants the success of your child more than you do. More than you do. He has a more vested interest than you do. Um, and he also wants to even for your sake too because he loves you as well he has so much interest and in, in, in invested in your child and in your life and he cares that's why he said that he knows the number of the hairs on your head because he cares about everything concerning you and your children he cares um, there's another verse that says cast your cares on him because he cares for you so he does care for you, but the responsibility that we have is to go ahead and cast our cares, to stop being concerned. Because when we have, when we're being concerned, we're accomplishing nothing. And in fact, uh, it's funny that you know Jesus says, "Who can add life by being anxious?" But you know, I, I believe nowadays they're they're finding out that you're actually subtracting life, like your lifespan by being anxious and worrying. Mm -hmm. um, so he really, and I mean Jesus knows, he knew, but they didn't know. So he had to talk to him what you know with what they could understand. But I think that's amazing because he was really saying, you know, and I think he you know he really knew that you're actually accomplishing less than nothing. You're actually hurting yourself by doing that, by being anxious. You're hurting yourself, and you don't have to do it. Even in that regard, I just recently was brought to my attention that many people will say, you know, hey, God took our sins. God, Jesus took our sins. He took our sickness on his body by the stripes and um, all of our sins on the cross. And he died and he died our death. You know what? He also took our anxiousness and our worry because what was he doing in the Garden of Gethsemane? Sweating blood. <laughs> because he knew what he was going to take on our behalf. He was experiencing... Um, you know, uh, anxiousness in the sense that he was—he knew what he had to face, and but he was willing to go through with it. And I don't believe that he—that um, he worried. But it's like that uncontrollable thing. I don't know if everyone's experienced it when you're nervous and your hand shakes or something when you don't really have control because you're—you're you're trying to give you know everything you can to God, but you just have a you know underlying or subconscious. I don't know what it is, but um, in the case of Jesus, I know that. He he never sinned. Um, and the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But I believe that he was able to experience the, the heaviness. The heaviness of, for in his case, the heaviness of the universe that he was going to be paying for. But in our case, sometimes we feel heaviness in life. But even that has been paid for. You can let the heaviness go. You can shed it and dance. You can uh, exchange it and experience the joy of the Lord.
I just want to encourage you if you're struggling with that heaviness or that feeling that God has abandoned you because he, Jesus was abandoned by God for your sake so that God could never and will never abandon you and has never abandoned you. So if you're feeling like it is, like the heavens are closed up, like they're brass and He can't hear you and you have a spirit of heaviness on you, just cast it off like a coat and look to the Lord, look to His face because He took that heaviness for you. He took that so that you don't have to, so that you can be free. That's why He said, He who the Son sets free is free indeed, free from every single thing that is not going on in heaven. If something is not going on in heaven, God doesn't want you to have it now. <clears throat> That's good. So, going back to that scripture of train your child up in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. So, I was thinking about that while you were speaking right now. Is So, it's kind of like, it was a wow moment for me actually and um, if this is, if, you know, tell me if you think this is true or not. So say if we only taught our children about Jesus and how much he loves them and how much freedom they have in him, that every answer to every question in life is Jesus. <laughs> like in Sunday school, no matter what the teacher would ask the kids, they'd be like, Jesus! <laughs> and they they were so right. Like, like uh, the heart of a child, you know? And the teacher would be like, well, technically, yes, he's the answer to everything, but this particular question, <laughs> that's not the answer, but it is. So... If we were to teach our children that, is that really what that scripture means? That's kind of like a revelation to me. So if we say, for instance, we did, in your personal belief, if we did a study and we took, you know, half of our kids and only taught them biblical, not even biblical principles, but just focused on the love of Christ, the love of God, um, the freedom that they have in him, that the who they truly are in Jesus versus reading, writing, arithmetic with our other kids and do not teach them Jesus, who do you think would be more successful? Definitely the Jesus kids. Especially if they got Jesus in their heart. That's the most important thing. Yes. I constantly talk to my mom about that because she feels like, and I know a lot of parents feel this way, that they were a failure that they could have done better and that there was a lot of things that they did that potentially harmed their children for life. But I can tell you that though there were a lot of things I went through and I saw that, you know, maybe I wish I didn't see and that I can't unsee necessarily, but it doesn't change that God has done a mighty work inside of me and that the old things have passed away and the new things have come. Because of God, I think I'm in such a better place than even if she if she raised me so morally, so according to as you know, like the Pharisees would, according to the law. Um, she didn't raise me like that, but she introduced me to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to the one who gave His everything for me, so that I could have everything and be lacking in nothing. So, Amen. that to me is the most important thing. I wanted to also bring up another scripture just just to kind of like um, 
talk to that. To me, it seems to me that that my mom planted in me a seed of Jesus Christ, and that's why I want to read this verse because because um, of what it says. So, First Peter one twenty three. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. So the seed of Christ is imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. So I think that's super important. If you plant in your children the incorruptible, as I think the King James says it, seed of God, of Jesus Christ Himself, the seed that produces like sons of God. He planted a son so that He could um, reap sons. And that's what you make of your children, sons of the and daughters of the living God. When you plant, implant them with the Word of Jesus Christ, and just let him blossom and do the awesome things he does inside of them. More importantly than teaching him any rules or regulations. The whole Old Testament was a testament to the fact that in the flesh we could accomplish nothing. But Jesus Christ has accomplished everything on our behalf. And now we have the opportunity and the privilege to step into that victory. Amen. And I've noticed with my own quote-unquote training up that I know there's an aspect of, you know, don't spare the rod or spoil the child. But when I focus on behavior modification instead of um, relationship with Jesus, it's kind of like religion versus relationship, right? So, and I, of course, I've done that and most parents do. You know, you want your kids to act right. But when I've said you know, don't do this, or that's not right, or even if I put in biblical aspects, like, oh, God doesn't want us to do that, versus, um, wow, I trust and I believe God in you, that you are going to be so awesome, and you are going to have a great day today, and you're going to treat your brothers and sisters with love and kindness, I believe Jesus in you, that you are going to do that today. Like being encouraging versus, you know, don't do that. God doesn't like that. God hates a liar. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's so such, it's way more powerful and encouraging. And it's more modifying their behavior, surprisingly. Like I've noticed that our children, when I used to, you know, be like, oh, you're in trouble. Um, for doing this or doing that, that's not right. This isn't right. Well, why? Why? Because I said so. <laughs> it doesn't really change anything as far as their behavior. But if you say, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus in you. I believe the change that he put inside of you when you accepted him, that's going to make all the difference. And it also helps them to flourish their own faith relationship with Jesus because it just you point out to them hey God's inside me you know and I can do good because he's inside me not because of anything that I do you know so I think that that's that makes a huge difference and when we're vulnerable in front of our children I know you've done it I've done it like if we say you know what I made a mistake um I'm sorry and that for some reason, that really touches our children's hearts, right? You've experienced mm -hmm. that. Do you want to speak to that at all? I would say that, just as you said, um, 
relationship. Relationship really boils down to love. Love is the the driving force of the universe. God is love, and He created the universe in love. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why we love because He loved us. And when we love God, and when our children love us, it produces good behavior because it comes out of love. Um, another verse I think that speaks to that is Luke 7, 47. Therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. I think it's important because Jesus uses a multitude of sins to show greater love or greater grace. Not only does that produce, not only does that allow him to show love strongly because now he's showing that he loves her no matter what she did, even though he's a holy God. But it also, he says, she was forgiven much, so she loves much. It didn't say she was disciplined much, so she does well. It says, because she was forgiven much, she loves much. And that love, the same love, I mean the same thing, in the sense of of love being a thing, even though it's really a person, produced the whole universe, right? So, love causes... I put in uh, air quotes, Mm -hmm. causes behavior modification. So, as always with God, I mean you can tell throughout reading His Word, it's a matter of the heart. Because someone is forgiven, so they're shown love, they love, and that love produces good works. And uh, produces God-like character, because God is love. So if you're acting in love, who are you acting like? You're acting like God because He is love. People are always talking about, hey, let's get this holiness thing back. Let's get holy. Let's get holy. Let's get like God. Let's get like God. Then love. Love because that's who God is. Amen. Excuse me. Yeah, I can see the difference when our daughter was young and we were all about the rules and the boundaries. It did not change diddly squat <laughs> and the second we both were like hey this is not working like literally every um consequence that we would try and give her she would just laugh at that at it right mm-hmm. um it did absolutely nothing it actually made the behavior worse far more worse far worse <laughs> um but the second we were like wait a second what's god's heart towards us And we really started searching that out. I mean, you were definitely more there than I was because I'm like, I was kind of like Jonah sitting on the hill like, when are they going to (laughs) fry? Like wanting her to get consequences for her actions because I felt like her just laughing at them was horrible, you know? Like we were failing as parents. She was out of control. We were trying to implement all these disciplines and boundaries and nothing was working. And then just the light switch clicked and we're like, okay, wait a second. What's God's heart towards us and our children? And what should we really be doing? And we just kind of flipped the script and was like, okay. And then just lavished love upon her. 
No matter what she did, no matter what she said, no matter how out of control she was, no matter if we thought that we were enabling her or, um, you know, that's actually when the real change started. Do you agree? I mean, she's obviously not where we think she should be, but you know what? She has her own independent relationship with Jesus. Amen. She's, you know, it's, it's just a totally different thing. And even though she's an adult now, when she was still underage, was right, well, right before she became an adult, that's when we changed everything. I wish we would have done it earlier. But, yeah, I think that just really when parents can say what's God's heart towards us, that's our heart that we should have towards our children, which is unconditional love. And really, do you want to speak on boundaries at all? Or is that you want to do that? Is that another discussion for another time? (laughs) We'll make that part two of this. How about that? Okay, so do you want to say anything in closing? Uh, What I would say in closing is that a practical application of casting your cares is to, like the Bible also says, make your requests and your petitions known to God. Once you've made them known to Him, then you believe that you have what you've asked for because that's who what he said he said if you ask you receive right so after that after you've done that i'm not saying that it's wrong a sin or unbelief for you to keep praying about it but at that point why don't you go ahead and just start rejoicing in the fact that you have it start praising the name of the lord god and the victory that he has already given you in christ jesus and in your situation and in your child's heart and life when you pray for your child You're placing your child into the hands of the Almighty God, who is able to do abundantly, exceedingly above all that we can ask or think. Amen? Yes. Amen. Alrighty. Thank you, Pastor Alex. Um, So I wanted to, of course, give um, an opportunity for anybody that wants to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior to go ahead and do that now, wherever you are. You can just... Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice that you paid for me. Thank you for taking away my sins. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for making me whole, healed, delivered, sanctified, holy, everything. That's what he accomplished at the cross for you. And and just accept him into your heart right now. Say, Lord Jesus, come live inside of me. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to serve you and love you all the days of my life. I give you everything that I am because you gave everything that you are to, to make me new. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you just did that, I'm so excited for you. That's the best decision you can ever make. And I encourage you to get hooked up with a local church, Bible-believing, a spirit-filled um I apologize, I'm a little stuffed up, so my voice sounds all weird. Um, But I'm healed in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Um, So get hooked up with the church so you can be discipled, definitely. um, Read your Bible, (laughs) y'all. And just focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus and how much he loves you. Um, if you're in the Rio Rico area, my husband and I pastor a church, the Lighthouse of Faith. Um, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube, I believe. Um, but yeah, that's, 
that is that and we love you and we will talk at you in the next episode bye beloved